You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church and Pleasant Green Road. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Um, it, is, it is an awesome thing to think about when Jesus returns and, and all that led up to that, to, to call him Lord and realize that you, you, you may look at the Bible and you go, I, I'm not sure I believe everything in there. Um, or I'm still wrestling with it. Or I don't, I don't know that I even understand all that's going to take place. And, and I want to tell you that, that everybody in here still struggles with the stuff in the book. Because there are pieces of it that, that we don't understand. There, there are pieces of it that when we start living out life, we may not even like. But that doesn't make any of it go away. And so we say, I don't understand when Jesus is coming back. Whether, and, and that really doesn't matter. You understand that it's, when Jesus returns, he's coming back on his timetable. In his time frame, according to what God has set apart for us. And so... Um, I'm looking forward to that day, and it, it'd be okay if it happened in the next five minutes. I'd be all right with that. I don't know about you. And you realize that when Jesus comes back, there's a whole lot of world that's still going to happen, but we won't have to deal with it. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when Jesus comes back to rule and reign and to be that, that one that we say out loud together as a, as a body of believers whether, whether you're listed as Baptist or something else, as a body of believers proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And I hope you've settled that in your life. I hope, you, I hope you've gotten to the place where you are secure and you know that when Jesus returns that you'll be okay. I hope you're in that spot. We are in the... the midst of a series talking about the vision of our church and, and what God has in mind for us and the direction that we're going as a church. And it kind of falls in line with this because our desire is that we would live such lives that when people looked at us, encountered us, engaged with us, whether it be conversation or just action, that they would understand that we belong to Jesus Christ. And that it makes a difference in somebody else's life as they either consider this response to, to God working in their life or not. We want to have that kind of impact. And we said, our mission is this, to, we exist to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. That's why we're here as a church. We don't exist for getting together to eat fried chicken, although that is part of church life sometimes, or mystery casseroles or whatever it happens to be. That's part of church life. Part of church life happened up in North Campus yesterday when we had, how, how many, uh, Marianne, how many booths were up at North Campus? 42. Okay, so 42 vendors, if you will, or booths were set up up at North Campus yesterday in an effort to raise some money for missions. And there was all kinds of stuff up there. I saw, well, I knew there were some Massages taking place with feet over in one corner. 
And if you don't know anything about that, then see Suzanne or, or Julie or somebody, and they'll kind of fill you in on that one. But there, there were other ones. There, was, there were different booths for different things. I saw painted fish. And I don't even know what that was. I just saw it. It was kind of next to it. And then I, I know there were some soaps on one side. And, and I didn't look. Um, I saw books that were cut out by letters. I saw um, wood that, that I would have probably scrapped that had beautiful sayings and things on it on, across the way from us. And I know there were tons of other things that were going on up there. It was all in an effort to, um, to gain money for missions. But it wasn't about the event. The event happened to raise money so that those that want to go on a mission trip to share the love of Christ can go on a mission trip. I don't want to lose sight of the goal. So that was, that was part of why we do the things we do. And the reason we exist is to develop followers so that we can impact the world. And that's part of it. So if we go into that, to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world, we're talking about the equipping of people to follow Jesus in a, in a sincere way with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then turning around and saying, we want to have influence in the community around us or impact with those around us. And then the last couple of weeks, we've talked about two different words. We've talked about the word yield. And if we, if we look at the actual vision statement, it says this. It says, to be the church by exhibiting a safe environment for people to biblically navigate life's journey and foster discussion of current issues, growing in the practical application of godly truth, which is a mouthful. It essentially means we want to be considered that place where it is safe to come and wrestle with your faith. And then help you grow in particular areas of discipleship. That's that idea. And we use the word yield because it's going to take us being humble enough to listen to somebody who has a different idea from what we do and be able to come alongside them and work with them so that they understand the truths of Scripture. So we use the word yield because it's going to require humility. The second word that we talked about was the word reach and, and the the statement, the vision statement for that is to be the church by equipping and sending believers to engage people in intentional gospel conversations throughout our community in the world. And so the idea from that is that we would be in a place where we would learn how to share our faith, but we would be so equipped that we would go and have intentional conversations. We said those conversations can take place anywhere. They can take place at a restaurant. They can take place at a grocery store. They can take place on the job site. It really doesn't matter. There's no parameters that is outside the bounds of a place that we could take a gospel conversation and the truth of the gospel. So we said that our job as a church is to be that place where we get equipped and we send. And the, the thought behind that is that you were not designed to come in here, stay in a pew, and that be the end of your Christian existence. That you were designed to be the church, to be God's representatives and ambassadors outside the walls of this church. So not just here. And so our job is to be sent and go and impact those around us. So we talked about those two things, taking the good news into devastation and darkness. Today, we're going to talk about a third one, and it's going to be 
um, the word promote, but I, I've got a quiz that, I, that we're going to throw up. And let, me, let me just, I'm going to give, before we put that up there, let me kind of tell you what it is. Um, this was a quiz that was giving, it comes out of Daniel Kenneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. And, and I, when you look at it, what I want you to do is I want you to think about it very quickly and come up with an answer. All right? So you ready? Okay, no, they're not ready. Because they're like, uh, all right, so we're going to try to get, are you ready? Okay, you feel smart? No. <laughs> I looked at it and I didn't feel smart either. All right, um, I looked at the answer and I didn't feel smart. Okay, let's, you ready? Go ahead and put that up there. All right, a bat and ball cost $1.10. The bat costs $1 more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? How much? 10 cents. Everybody agree with that? Everybody that agrees with 10 cents, raise your hand. Okay, now, yeah, yeah, you very, okay. All right, you agree, Reeves? You good with 10 cents? All right, let's go to the next slide. This is the book, and it says, and encourage you to work. More than 50% of Harvard, MIT, and Princeton students gave the wrong answer. So you feel better now? All right, let's put the answer up. Five cents. Five cents. Now, now you got it? If the ball cost five cents, the bat would be a dollar more, so it'd be a dollar five, and the total would be a dollar ten. But our initial reaction is to go a dollar for the bat and ten cents for the ball. Wasn't it? And we just immediately run to that, run to that answer. And um, you know, if if you take out Princeton, MIT, and, and Harvard, um, eighty percent of others got it wrong. So don't feel bad. Don't feel bad at all. And, and when I read it, I went, I know this is a trick question, so I'm going to slow down and I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on it. And so I refused to answer. <laughs> when, we, when we want to become authentic followers of Christ, um, there is an intentionality about what we do with our lives. And what may seem automatic isn't always automatic. When we start talking about discipleship and being an authentic follower of Christ, it does not happen automatically. It does not happen sporadically. We say, oh yeah, it does. No, every part of what you experience in your journey of life, it should be and ought to be part of the journey that God's taking you on to complete your story and help you to be a, as developing as a follower of Christ. So even the stuff that you don't like is part of that. The stuff you like is part of that. All those pieces. And so I want to encourage you as we, as we go forward to, to have this understanding that it just doesn't happen. You, we have to be intentional about being a disciple of Christ. I want us to turn to, to Hebrews chapter 2, and I'm going to ask if you would stand for this. Um, it'll be the, the verse that we'll read, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. 
Hebrews 2.1. It's a very short verse, and we'll pray at the end of that because it's going to lead us into our discussion this morning of this third vision statement. Hebrews 2.1 says this, For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. So listen to that. For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. Say, well, what is it? What is that? Well, we're going to talk about that. But we need to ask God to just bless us and to open our minds and hearts to what he wants to tell us this morning as we get into this vision statement. God, we thank you for who you are. And Father, as we look at the idea of discipleship and being part of that, being um, part of an authentic small group experience, Father, I pray that you will grow us. It may stretch us. It may make us a little uncomfortable this morning. But Father, I pray that as you are seeking to develop authentic followers of Christ, Father, you will do that in our lives so that we can be the influences you want us to be outside the walls of this church. And so God, thank you for all that you're going to teach us. And Father, as we look at this passage and some other passages, Father, help us to see the, the glory and the beauty that we see in Scripture and your design. And so, God, we pray these things in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So Hebrews 2, 1, for this reason, we must pay much, pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. It's an interesting verse because the question, and when you read that, you say, well, what is it that we would drift away from? If we look at that, what is it? And so we go back and we understand what the writer of Hebrews was trying to convey in this, in this book, in this writing. We, we understand that he's conveying a couple of things. He's conveying the preeminence of Christ and how that fit and what we should look at is Jesus as Jesus as a priest, as the one who is, um, who is above all. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we look to him. And so not only does the, the writer of Hebrews want us to understand that, but he wants us to understand who we are in Christ. That when we trust him by faith, that, that it leads down this path of following him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the writer of Hebrews says, understand who you're looking to, but understand who's working in you. And so he writes both of those. And the way he writes this is that the, it becomes a room for improvement kind of situation. You see, we can't, there, there are essentially two options in the Christian life. We're either growing or we're dying. There is no stop place. It's not like I can I come to Christ and I can just kind of stay there. There's no stagnation in that in, in the life of in Christ. So we have to we want to be in that position where we're growing and the writer of Hebrews says for this reason for this this idea that Jesus is who he says he is we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so we have to listen so that we do not drift away or we don't fall away. 
And the idea is that we just won't hold on to the truths of Scripture the way we once did. And so the, the writer of Hebrews says, got to pay, pay attention. It's interesting on Sunday mornings to, to look from this perspective. On, I'll just tell you, as we go throughout the morning, there's some of you, and it, you're going to go, oh, I hope that's not me. There's some of you that are doing this. You know, and then, you, you know, there's always somebody around you that, that kind of has their head back. And when they get so far back, they realize that they've gone to sleep in it. Like, like somebody, somebody woke them up. And, and, I, and I've thought about this in, in just presenting things and, and thinking about what I see. I, I don't see a whole lot of drool just because the, the glasses aren't that good. But when, when I look out, you just kind of, every once in a while, you look at somebody, you go, pay attention. Just see if they wake up. I thought about throwing stuff, but that's not always good either. So, but, but you want to pay attention. And what the writer of Hebrews says is, we've got to pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. And so the idea behind this third vision statement is that we would be in a place where we're growing in our relationship to Christ. The word is promote. And it, the definition of promote is to further the progress, to actively encourage or advance to a higher position. So we're going to talk about promoting. And it doesn't mean promoting as like I'm getting a new job or something like that. It just means that we're growing in our faith. We're attaining a, a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ and we're living it out. And so the, the statement is this, to be the church by providing points of, points of biblical connectivity among professing believers through authentic small group environments that reproduce. So let's put that on the screen, this word promote. It's coming. One more, pretty sure. One more. <laughs> It'll be a long phrase. There we go. To be the church by providing points of biblical connectivity among professing believers through authentic small group environments that reproduce. There's three phrases I want you to catch in there. The first one is biblical connectivity. That's the first piece of that. Is we're going to get together and we're going to study the Bible. Okay? Easy one. The second one is authentic small group environments. And so we're not only going to connect or get together, but we're going to have small group environments that do that. And that's an intentional piece of this, is that they be small group environments. We're going to talk about that as we go through. And then the last part, that reproduce. So you can have small groups that get together and do everything but reproduce, but would you consider them growing groups? You reproduce. So we're going to look at that as we go through here. So... So to be the church by providing points of biblical connectivity among professing believers through authentic small group environments that reproduce. So we're going to look at three hallmarks of biblical community. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. We're going to be over in Hebrews 10. So we're going to start there. So Hebrews 10, starting at verse 23. 
says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, so let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're going to walk through this for for a few moments. The The first hallmark of biblical community is to live in biblical unity. To live in biblical unity. So we're gathering together, studying the Word of God, which is inerrant, infallible, and it's studied together in a purposeful way, a purposeful meaning. And so we describe it like that. And so if we get together to do that, what form does that take? Let me tell you what we're doing right now. There are a couple different places where we're doing small groups. We're doing small groups in what we call Sunday school. Right? That'd be a place. The other place we're doing it is we're doing it in connect groups on Sunday night. And there are several of those that are taking place. But then we're also doing it on Wednesday night because there are some small groups. There's a a guys meeting down in the lower building. There's a a ladies meeting that's meeting back here on the preschool hallway. There's a group that's not all that small, but they're, they're... a group, and they meet down in the conference room on Wednesday night. And so there's, there's some small groups that are taking place on our campus a couple different times during the week. But what if we expanded that? What if we said, we're going to do small groups, and it's not going to be limited to Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night? Would it still be a small group? Could it still be a point of connectivity? Sure. Because there are some people that may not be able to show up on Sundays or Wednesdays. And we want to make sure that we're engaging people in small group environments so that they can study Scripture and understand what it says. So part of us doing that is to, to understand that when we say points of connectivity in small group environments, that we're talking about maybe even looking at other ways that we can get together to study God's Word. Look at verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That word hold fast means to secure, to hold down. I I don't know that um, if you're aware of it, but when students go to college, sometimes they drift, right? And that was in that that Hebrews 2.1, so we won't drift away. Um, Reggie Joyner wrote a book, uh, about um, the drift, or it's called the slow fade, and he talked about that. And what he what he was talking about is that when we forget how to hold fast the confession to which we believe, and we start to drift away from that which is true. And we see that when those points of connectivity are lost. So a student is in student ministry, they're really strong in student ministry, they move off to college, and they don't have that home church to connect with, they've not connected with a Bible study there on campus, or they've not connected with a local church wherever they've gone, and they tend to just 
get in their room, study what they're supposed to study for school, and they start to lose some of the, um, some of the anchor that they have when they were home. And they start to drift. And what, what the writer of Hebrews would say is we have to hold fast the confession of our hope. That word confession is, essentially means it's a one-word logic. One, one logic together. It's the, the word homo, homologia. And it's that, that idea of understanding who Jesus is and holding on to that without wavering. Our hope is in Christ. It's a living hope. And so we hold on to that without letting loose. Um, I've had the privilege of, of installing mailboxes on a couple of occasions. For various reasons, whether it be somebody came by with um, the gift of a baseball bat or something else, but, but it always meant replacing. Sometimes it was just weather, and I'd, I would you know, dig down, and you'd find pieces of the, of the old mailbox, and you may find a piece of cement at the bottom, and you pull that out. And then so you start from scratch and you get that mailbox and that post and you set the post in and you make sure it's level and you make sure it's the right height and all those kind of things. But you don't just like gather the dirt around it and just push it in, do you? You, you put some cement, some quickcrete or something in there so that it would stay in the place in which it is set. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is if we're going to hold fast the confession, confession of our hope, without wavering in Christ, then we have to have some anchors. And our small group experiences are those anchors for us that remind us of who Jesus is and what reminds us of what's in God's Word. So it's important that you're in a small group. It's important that you're part of, at this point, Sunday school or connect group or, or one of the Wednesday night classes because it helps us not to drift. And then in verse 24, it says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, that sounds so pleasant, doesn't it? Let's stimulate somebody to love and good deeds. It ought to come with a sugar cookie, right? That's not the way the writer of Hebrews writes it. The, the word stimulate is a little bit stronger than that. It really means to incite or to irritate. And so, you, you always wanted to know why church members are irritable? Now, maybe not. Our job is to incite and irritate one another to love and good deeds. We ought to be encouraging one another strongly to do those things. Uh, I, I know you guys have been aware of the news of this whole um, kneeling or fist up or what or or hand over heart during the during the national anthem at football games. And you've seen it on the high school level. You see it probably on the college level. You see it on the pro level. And and I'm not. I don't want to get into all that. I've got a personal opinion about it. But th that's neither here nor there. The idea behind the whole thing, behind the whole protest, if you will was to incite something, to irritate for action. And although we may not agree with what has been done on a football field on the sideline before a game, we have to agree that it did incite some, some emotion, didn't it? 
it got some people stirred up, all the way from somebody who works in an Oval Office to, to us. And when we start looking at a passage like this where it says, to let us consider how to stimulate or irritate one another to love and good deeds, it is a push. It ought to be a strong push. James 2.20 talks about the, the combination of faith and works put together. That's what God designed us to do, is to live out our faith by doing things, doing works. And so we, we do that. We are motivated and action-based as believers. Verse 25 says this, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That, that part of this passage has usually been applied to coming to worship, hasn't it? Say, so don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. And, and most of our interpretation has been, let's all get together for a time of worship on Sunday morning. But the writer of Hebrews does not qualify that. He doesn't say, hey, go find a big room to hang out in together and don't miss that part of church. I don't know how much encouragement and stimulation you get in a worship service to love and good deeds. And you get some, but that can't be the whole experience. And so the writer of Hebrews would say, yeah, all together, sure, that's good. But get together in small groups as well. Be part of those authentic small groups where you learn Scripture and encourage one another to live out the Christian life. Don't forsake that either. That word forsaking means to abandon or desert, to leave helpless. It is the same word where it says, where it talks about assembling together. It's the same word that's used in 2 Thessalonians 2.1 where it's talking about Jesus will gather his church together and in the twinkling of an eye. So catch that. Jesus is gathering us together, and we ought to be that same togetherness on Sundays and on Wednesdays and at other times so that we can grow in our faith. Your presence matters because you are part of the body. You're part of the body of Christ. There is an urgency in this section of Scripture as well. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Look around you. We live in some desperate times, some very dark times. And there are a lot that we claim Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back very soon. I don't know. Scripture tells us that, that we don't know the day nor the hour that Jesus is coming back. But, but it does encourage us to be ready, because it could be any time. And so if we kind of look around us and say, well, it's possible there ought to be an urgency to our Christian life that ought to be unmistakable. So the writer of Hebrews says, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, it ought to make a difference in our life that we see the things around us happening and we understand that if Jesus came back today, there'd be a bunch of people that are outside the walls of this church that would bust hell wide open. So there's an urgency in who we are as Christians. It's, uh, it's almost that picture of Cat in the Hat. I know you know the story. Mom leaves to go to the grocery store. 
Cat in the Hat shows up with thing one and thing two, and they mess up the place. But, but you know what happens? They hear mom coming, and Cat in the Hat goes into action and puts everything back, and everything's cool, right, at the end of the story. Now, I, I don't know if it was ever like that at my house when we had babysitters. When my kids were little, but I've heard some stories. Now that everybody has grown, and it's a safe environment to share, I've heard some of those stories. Hurry up, go lay in bed, pretend you're asleep, because you were supposed to be asleep an hour ago. You know, that kind of stuff. So there was an urgency, and the urgency to live out the Christian life and to make a difference around us ought to be there in us as we look at the things going on in our world. I've had, I had two students in ministry in Atlanta, and they were committed to certain things. They were committed to being in the youth group when they could, but they had some definite issues with how we did ministry. And it wasn't that they didn't want to learn. It wasn't that they didn't care. It wasn't even that they couldn't get a ride. Both of these students were deaf. And so we really didn't have a whole lot of provision for them. Greg and Shannon were in the youth group, but Greg and Shannon also had lives outside of the church. Um, They swam. They did competitive swimming. One of them swam in the, the club swimming club at the University of Georgia, And the other one was an All-American at, um, oh, make sure I get this right, an All-American at Florida Atlantic. Now, this was back a ways, and I have no idea how they did it. Because my understanding is you kind of have to hear when you're supposed to start. And how they worked that out with them, being deaf and not hearing a thing, I'm not real sure. But I knew that they were committed to doing what it took to get to the place they wanted to be in their career as a swimmer. And so they did that. What I want to know is, for us, is are you committed to being the authentic follower of Jesus Christ that you want to be? Are you at that place where you say, I'll abandon everything to follow Christ? And are you that committed? So the first hallmark of biblical community is to live in biblical unity set out to accomplish something as God's family. The second one is to operate in mutual accountability, to be in those small group environments. It's traction for maturing our faith. So are you growing in your faith as a believer? In Acts chapter 2, it kind of gives us a description. Listen, Just listen to this. So then, those who received who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So just picture that for a moment. We have worship service, and at the end of the worship service, 3,000 people come walking down the aisles. Here. Good luck. It's a full room. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and they should have. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do we see that around us? Are we doing what Scripture shows us is is some sort of pattern? Now, granted, they didn't have buildings like we've got buildings. They didn't even have Sunday school rooms like that. But they were getting together in small groups and breaking bread because I'm pretty sure that the homes that they met in didn't hold 3,000. They didn't have a fellowship hall. Most of the homes were small, so they'd get together and they would break bread and they would learn from the apostles and they would fellowship with one another and they would have things in common. Essentially, they were doing these things. They were baptized. They were teachable. They were fellowshipping. They were eating together. They prayed, and they gave generously. Those are the things that happened in the early, in the early church. It was essentially they were doing life together as the body of Christ. And our call is to do the same thing. And the community saw them together. And for some reason, when the community saw them together and unified, it was appealing. Because they would see this group of people getting along in unity and say, I want to be part of that group. And so God was adding to their number day by day. They'd see the unity, but they'd see God at work among them. And they would come forward. John 17, 21 is that passage where Jesus prays that they may be one, even as you and I are one, Father. So that the world may know this one you've sent, this Jesus. So we're to be to to operate in mutual accountability with one another, to do life together so that those around us will see Christ. And so we live in biblical unity. We operate in mutual accountability. And the third hallmark of biblical community is we exhibit a growth mentality. We exhibit a growth mentality. We're reproducible. I told you at the beginning that our lives are not to be stagnant. They shouldn't be as is. Neither should our small groups. They've got to be reproducible. We had a tree in our yard in Florida. Deb knows the tree well. We planted two trees in that yard when we got into it. The One of them was a rain tree. And it was Stephen's tree. It's a tree we planted on one of his birthdays and. And we went back and and visited the house after that, and it was just kind of crazy big. It's one of those things, if I had been living there, I'd have taken something to it to to make it smaller. Because it just kind of covered a whole side of the yard. But then we had a holly tree. And and I am a, I'm I'm not a barber by trade or a hairstylist, none of that kind of stuff. But I have a tendency to cut further than I probably should. And so I decided the holly tree needed pruning. And so I pruned it. And I pruned it. I wanted it to be a nice shape, but I wanted it to be a tree, not a bush. And so I did. And we were in that house 11 years, and it was essentially a stick with two branches. (laughs) Never changed. Had some leaves that come out every once in a while. But that was about the extent of it. And so for all practical purposes, it was worth nothing. It was a a stagnant tree on our property. 
And, if, and Deb and I would have arguments over it. Because I was thinking, this tree is going to be okay. It's going to make it. It's going to be good. It's really going to be good. And after 11 years of looking at that tree, you had to kind of question whether it was healthy. Because it didn't show any signs of growth. That is true of us. If there are no signs of growth, and if we're not reproducing, are we healthy? Are we in the place that God wants us to be? Or is there something lacking in our life? We should be able to expect maturing and expect reproducible small groups. And so that is a new expectation for us. As we start looking at this whole idea of being the church by providing biblical points of biblical connectivity among professing believers through authentic small group environments that reproduce, it's going to cause us to step outside the box of what we're used to and expect more than we have been used to giving. And so if that makes you nervous, that's okay. Change makes people nervous. But change should excite us. Because as we start talking about reproducing small groups, it means that something has been added, that there is a need that exists. And so if we're going to say, God, bring us folks, help us to reach our community for Christ, help us to do the things that present us as authentic followers of Christ who impact the world around us. If we do that, then God adds to our number and we've got to make some adjustments on what adding to that number looks like for here. If we make no changes and we don't have to make any changes, it means that we've just kind of stayed the same and we don't have to do anything and it's comfortable for everybody. But my hope is, and my passion is, and my desire is that we would be that church where people come here because you've invited them and I've invited them and we've shared the gospel with them and they want to know about Christ and we've got to figure out where to put them because there are no spaces. That's where I want to be. And it's not that I want to get to like a mega church kind of thing. That's not the idea. The idea is that there is a lost and dying world that's going to hell without Christ, and if we don't reach them, then what happens? They're lost. And we get the awesome privilege and the responsibility of being ambassadors for Christ. And if we do what we're supposed to do, it'll mean that there will be a need for us to adjust. When I look at Scripture, there's very little place for stagnation, very little place for apathy. What I see in Scripture is this encouragement to grow in your relationship to Christ and to share the love of God with the world. That's what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about developing authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. That's us, and it's why we exist. So this morning, when you look at a vision statement like we've looked at today and the ones we've looked at in the past couple weeks, yeah, is it going to make us nervous? Is it going to change some things? Absolutely. I don't want to tell you that everything's going to stay exactly like it is, and I want to tell you you're going to be comfortable because that's not our position. 
That's not our place. If our life is wrapped up in the comfort of this 70 years, we've missed out on the point of who God is and what he wants from us. We live in the story of eternity laid out by God. It starts with an everlasting God and ends with an everlasting God. You may be in this place this morning and say, I don't even know what it is to be a Christ follower. I want to walk through that very quickly. It means that, it means that if you are not and you feel this, it, it means admitting your sin and your need for repentance and forgiveness. It's going the other direction. It's, it's essentially what my GPS tells me all the time. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn. And so it's that. It's going the other way. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. But that verse concludes with the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so we turn from our sin, we accept God's forgiveness, and then we believe that God loves us and gave his son for us. That he went to the cross and died and took on the penalty of our sin. And then the third part, not on just admitting and believing, but confessing or trusting Christ for our salvation. Say, God, I want to turn over my life to you. Romans 10, 9 says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. So becoming a Christ follower means those things. It means admitting that you sin, you can't save yourself, you need forgiveness, and you, you're turning your life over to him. And if you're in that place this morning and you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that. And you can do it where you're at, but I would encourage you to come forward that we may rejoice as a body as a group of people that follow Christ, that we may rejoice in your decision. And we'll talk a little bit about that if you come forward. Pastor Curry, Pastor Scott, others, we'll just, we'll just kind of sit down one-on-one and talk through that. The second thing this morning that I want to ask about during our invitation time is the, the chance for us to recommit or to commit to being consistent in small groups. To either recommit or commit to being consistent in small groups. Small groups make a difference. It's where I can live out life and I can walk into a room with a group of people and say, I'm struggling with this this week. And you've got a group of people that will come around beside you and pray with you and help you to understand your life in light of Scripture. So will you recommit or commit to being part of a small group? And then the third part of this, I want to help lead a small group. I'd be willing, because I'm growing in my faith, to, to do something different. And so you see two email addresses on the screen. They may not have even known they were there. Jen's in panic. So here's the deal. If you are interested in leading a small group or being part of leadership of a small group, either contact Jen or contact Pastor Curry. And it's, it's not a big deal. It's just saying, I will, I'll be willing to lead. And then some follow-up will be done. Pastor Curry will get with you or one of, um, like, if you're, it's in student ministry, Pastor Scott would. If it's in children's ministry at this point, Pastor Wayne would. 
And, and they can talk to you about what it would take for you to lead a small group. We want to give you the opportunity to make that commitment as well this morning. So let's pray. And when I'm finished praying, we'll stand. And as God leads you, whether it's accepting Christ or recommitting to a small group or saying, I, I'd be willing to lead a small group, um, you make the decision that God's led, laid on your heart this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I confess that, that this whole subject and, and idea as we start promoting these things can get very complicated and very hard. It challenges us because it means change. And at the same time, we look at Scripture and, and we hear about this, this idea of drift and, and paying attention. And it can challenge us and stretch us. Do all those things in our life. Father, it may even mean that it's going to take more time. But Father, we want to recognize you as God. You as Lord of lords and King of kings. And so, Father, this morning, in, in light of who you are as Almighty God, we want to be obedient to you. And so, Father, I pray as we stand, as we, as we consider your call on us, that we would respond in a way that would honor you and bring you glory. That we wouldn't push off what the Spirit would be doing in our life but we would readily accept knowing that you are maturing us to be more like Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would work. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? As God leads you this morning in one of these areas, I want to encourage you to step forward, to share that, to be an encouragement to others. But most of all, be obedient to God and honor Him in what you're doing this morning. we pray that you would stretch us to be the authentic followers of Christ that makes a difference. Father, if we do that, then it honors you and brings you glory. And so, Father, help us to be that church. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Curry, would you close us? And you know it's coming.
tell you what, while, while he's getting that mic, let me remind you of our, our supper, dinner, whatever you want to call it, Wednesday night. Um, Faith is going to be leading out in that and cooking for us, so it's going to be authentic Mexican Wednesday night. And so um, we're going to see how many people we can fit in fellowship hall back there. All right? And it'll be fun. You may not understand all of it because it'll be in Spanish, but it'll be fun. So uh, I encourage you to come and be part of that fellowship Wednesday. And one other fellowship. A week from today, we have our um, church family gathering for Thanksgiving celebrations. So a ham is provided by the church, and so we encourage you to bring sides and desserts. So we look forward to that time together as we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving as well. So I just want to close us with a word of prayer as we are dismissed today. Let's pray. Father God, we, we are just so thankful for who you are. Lord, we're thankful for your grace and your mercy and your love for us. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just the opportunity that we have to get into your word and study your word and hear from you. Father, I pray that as your word continues uh, to impress truth in our hearts, Lord, that we will walk in the truth that we hear. Lord, uh, we desire to be uh, obedient servants. And Lord, we need your grace even in that, that you would encourage us in that way. Pray for each of us now as we leave that we will Just be doers of your word and not hearers only. Lord, stir our hearts uh, to see people in situations as you do. And help us see, Lord, how we can be uh, unifiers and and come together for the cause of Christ in whatever way that is you lay on our hearts, Lord. I do thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ who encourage me, who challenge me, who who press me. Lord, we need that. Uh, We need those people who will... uh, who will just stir us up and push us on and help us to to be obedient servants and followers of Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for this body. We want to say we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.